You are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pittsfield campus. We're going to continue and finish up this series of sermons that we call Supernatural. And we've been, this is the fourth week, we've talked a lot about uh, spiritual gifts and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God wants to give us because he loves us, right? We have gifts of prophecy and wisdom, knowledge, tongues, interpretations, and uh, all those gifts that we've been talking about over the past three weeks, healing and miracles, they're all good gifts from God. They're all good things that he wants to give us. And right, we, we, we stress, too, that he gives them to us right when we need them. He gives them to us as we need them so that we can minister. And, and they're really, they're not for us, right? They're for others. The, the Bible says they're for the common good. It's for everyone in the church and everyone in the community outside the church, these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today is Palm Sunday. This is the, the Sunday before Easter, the Sunday that, that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, right? The triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Let's jump right into that story, uh, straight into our uh, Bibles, the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 19. Luke 19, and we'll start at verse 28. And I would like to read through verse 41. Luke 28, or I'm sorry, Luke 19, 28 to 41. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, he being Jesus. When he drew near to Bethpage in Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. Imagine that. Just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to them, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered and said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out, the very rocks would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it. So Jesus was headed into Jerusalem, moving into Jerusalem, the triumphant king, right? People were worshiping and praising, and that's why they, that we had the palms today. It kind of symbolizes that as they were putting the palms in front of him so that he had uh, almost a carpet to ride into the city on, a carpet of palms and their cloaks and all those good things. It's a triumphal story. A triumph. The king riding into his kingdom, praising and singing. As Jesus was entering his kingdom, Jerusalem. But let's look at a different version of this story. A different part of this. It tells the the same story, but maybe in a little different format. The prophet Isaiah was talking about this when when he wrote in Isaiah 53. If you want us to flip over to Isaiah 53, 2 through 7. We'll read kind of a different version of this same story. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a a root out of dry ground. 
He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The triumphal entry. It's a familiar story. Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the colt. The king into his kingdom. So when we read these two stories together, it kind of changes our mood, kind of changes our outlook. Is it, is it really a triumphal story? A sheep being led to slaughter, innocent, despised, rejected, wounded for us, for our transgressions, crushed for us, for our iniqui- iniquities. You know, transgressions and iniquities, we like to bundle that up in a nice, neat word and just call it sin. But it's transgressions, it's iniquities, wounded and crushed. We were all lost, gone astray. And yet, he rode into that city on the colt, knowing full well what he was riding into. Those people praising him and worshiping him, but he knew the rest of the story. He knew what Friday brought. Both of these stories describe the same life, the same event. So how can they be so different? How can these stories be so different and yet describe the same thing? How can one of such sorrows ride in as a triumphant king? This man of sorrows, triumphant king. How can that be? Maybe it's because Jesus knows the more excellent way. He knows the more excellent way, love. So we've been reading, or we've been basing this uh, supernatural series uh, largely on 1 Corinthians 12, right? Where we, uh, the Apostle Paul teaches us about gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we've been focusing on that and you know, learning about these gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to continue. We're going to uh, continue in that, that vein and, and start in, in chapter 12 today of 1 Corinthians, so if you want to go ahead and flip over to be there. And we're going to read a scripture that many times we like to hear at weddings because it's nice and warm and comfy and makes us feel good. That's not a bad place for us to hear it, right? It is a good place. We think of it, you know, in the sense of loving our spouses, our children, our family, and, and love. And, but for today, as we read this scripture that you're probably familiar with, Even if you're not familiar with church, you may be familiar with these verses, these words. Let's think about Jesus. 
And let's think about his sacrificial love. His sacrificial love for us. And how that can change everything. How it can change everything for us. And then how we can take that same sacrificial love and turn it around and love others sacrificially in the same way. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. And we'll start with verse 31, which is the last verse of chapter 12. And then we'll read through chapter 13 also. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Because he had just been telling us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. I'll show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? And understand all mysteries and all knowledge, another gift of the Holy Spirit. If I have those, and if I have all faith, which is another gift of the Holy Spirit, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, Jesus did that. He did it with love. It says, if I do all that but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way or it is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect one comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, when the perfect one comes, face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So, now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest there is love. Love is the more excellent way. Love is the more excellent way. What kind of man, what kind of love would it make one to go to the cross, to endure what he was going to endure for the next week? What kind of love would it take? What kind of love makes one do that? Like a lamb to slaughter. What kind of love does that? Love that is patient and kind. Love that doesn't envy or boast. Love that isn't arrogant or rude. Love that doesn't insist on getting its own way all the time. Love that isn't irritable or resentful. Love that doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. Love that rejoices with the truth. Love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. What kind of love would it take to make one? Go to the cross for others. What kind of love would it take to make one go to the cross for me, for you, for us? 
sacrificial love. Sacrificial love like a lamb on its way to the slaughter. The more excellent way. The more excellent way of love. Love is the more excellent way. So we've talked about for the last three weeks how, how these gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and how God gives them to us. He gives us these good gifts. We've camped out on 1 Corinthians 12 and, and studied and learned and we've had practicums and, and uh, teachings in the evenings about these spiritual gifts. And, and that's been fantastic. It's been great to be able to go to some of these practicums and teachings on Sunday night that we've had for the last three weeks and learn more and more and to see God work in people's life. But there's a more excellent way. There's a more excellent way, the way of love. We can be the the most gifted. God can give us these gifts and we we can be the most gifted with all of them. But if we don't love, then we're nothing but a bunch of noise. We're annoying. We're in someone's way. We're driving people crazy without love. Love is the more excellent way. So let's look at Jesus. Because he had all these gifts, right? He was Jesus. He was God. He, he, would, he had the gift. He could prophesy. He had knowledge. He had wisdom. And he knew that all of this, all of this that he had, he was here on earth and he had all of this. And yet he knew that without sacrificial love, it would be nothing. It would be nothing. He knew that that he could have all these and still not complete his mission here on earth. Without his sacrificial love, without what he did on this Passion Week, this week where he was headed to the cross, knowing full well what was coming. Without that, he couldn't complete his mission here on earth. And the world would still be lost in its desire to find God. We'd still be lost in our desire to find God. Maybe we'd have prophecies and maybe maybe we'd be able to have knowledge and wisdom. But we'd be so lost. Because we need that sacrificial love that Jesus showed us. That sacrificial love that took him to the cross. The world would be lost with its desire to find God in a loveless manner. Simply by practicing these gifts without love. Lost. So Jesus, he comes to earth, born in the manger, the Christmas story. He was baptized, teaches and preaches, heals, goes about doing good things. He didn't tell us about sacrificial love though. He lived it. He showed us about sacrificial love. He showed us what it meant to love one another sacrificially. To be willing to go to the cross for someone else. For something that he didn't do. He was not guilty of anything. He was an innocent man going to the cross for others. For us. Jesus also didn't just go around preaching these gifts and how good they are. He didn't go around preaching prophecy and wisdom and discernment and and all the gifts. He didn't just do that. He lived them out. He lifted gifts out, but also he lived love out. He lived out love so that, so that when we get these gifts, when God gives us a gift from the Holy Spirit, that we don't get all heady and we don't think that we're something else, that we don't think that we're better or, or, than someone else or better than this church or better than that church. No, he showed us this sacrificial love so we could stay humble, 
So we could receive these gifts for the common good, not for our own good, but for others, for others to find Jesus. Imagine with me for a minute. Just think about this. Jesus was heading into the city. His, his disciple got the colt. They put their coat on it. He got on the colt, and he was headed to the city. And all these people worshiping and praising him. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Yes, with the palm branches flying. Imagine that. They were expecting him to set up a kingdom that very week in Jerusalem, an earthly kingdom that would throw, overthrow the Romans. Those mean old Romans that had been controlling them for years and years. Jesus was coming, and these people were thinking that he was going to set that kingdom up, overthrow the Romans, and they were going to be all set. They were going to be good. But don't you think that, you know, Jesus, he's, he's God. And that in his mind, maybe he was thinking about Isaiah 53, that scripture that we read. Maybe that was going over and over and over in his mind. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was crushed for our iniquities, wounded for our transgressions. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. He had to know about those stripes. He knew what was coming. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that's led to slaughter and like a sheep. That before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Don't you think Jesus knew that scripture? Don't you think the human part of Jesus had to be thinking that scripture through as he was sitting on this coal and these people, the very same people who next week, next Friday, were going to be saying, crucify him, crucify him. Don't you think he knew that? And I don't know about you, but if that were me, I'd be mad. I'd be mad. I would be upset at those people because people, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I know what's going to happen next Friday. All those people worshiping, cheering him on. But what Jesus knew the real story from Isaiah. And I know if I knew that real story from Isaiah, how it was going to end up, I'd be upset. I'd be upset. I'd be resentful. I'd be bitter. How dare you cheer me now and crucify me later? Don't you understand that I know the rest of the story? But love is the more excellent way. And that's what Jesus chose. Even as we, we finished up our reading in the book of Luke, Jesus wept over the people. He wept over these people who were going to kill him. Who were going to yell for him to be crucified. Who were going to take him to the cross and laugh at him and beat him. Spit on him. And he went and cried to his father for these people. Love is the more excellent way. What is sacrificial love? Well, first, I'll tell you what sacrificial love is not. Sacrificial love is not natural. It's supernatural. We've talked about these gifts of the Holy Spirit and how really, as we learn about them and as God gives them to us, it's more of a natural thing. It's really not a supernatural thing to receive these gifts. But this love that Jesus showed, this sacrificial love, is not natural. It's not natural. We can't do it without God's guidance, without God leading us, without God showing us how. 
Sacrificial love is supernatural. Because we can't conceive of it. We can't even imagine it. We can't imagine Jesus crying and weeping over these people that were going to kill him. Because he loved them. And he knew that they needed what he had. We can't imagine such love. To love sacrificially. And I think this was a key with Jesus. He knew the value of those that he loved. He knew the value of them. He knew that every person, every person that was lining those streets that was cheering for him, every person who was standing in that courtyard saying, crucify him, Jesus knew that they had value. And he also knew the cost of loving them. He knew that loving them was going to take his life. And he did it anyway. Because love is the more excellent way. In Hebrews 12 and 2, it reads like this. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before him. As we talk about Good Friday, it doesn't seem very joyful to be spit on and beaten, crucified. But Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, it endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated on the right hand of the throne of God. The joy set before him, that's the value that Jesus places in those that he loves, us. He valued us enough to count it joy to go to the cross, endure the cross for us. Joy. He didn't look at it and say, no, God, I'm not going to do it. Yes, he did say, God, if you can, take this away because it's going to be painful. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And notice, too, as we read in in Hebrews 2, he didn't despise the pain. He despised the shame. It wasn't the nails. It wasn't the crown of thorns. It wasn't the beatings. It was the shame. It was the shame. The shame of our sin. The shame that the very worst thing that you can think of that you've done, the very worst thing that I can think of that I've done, the shame of that sin, he bore it for us. And he knew that as he headed into that city. He bore that shame for you and for me, for us on the cross. Because the joy set before him was greater than the sacrifice of his love. The joy that was set before him was greater than the sacrifice of his love. So he values us. He values us enough to endure not just that pain, but the shame. Not just the pain, but the shame. To endure the shame of of the most despicable thing I've ever done. The most despicable thing you've ever done. Because love is the more excellent way. Sacrificial love. Oh, that we would love our families and friends like this. That we would weep over them when they lose their way. That we would mourn for them as they perish. And that we would be called to action. Called to action by the more excellent way of love. Oh, that we would love our cities and our towns like that. That we would weep 
that we would weep over our cities and our towns, our neighbors. We would mourn for them because they're perishing. That we would be called to action. We would be called to action here in Pittsfield. We'd be called to action in whatever town or city that you're from, whether it's Northwood, Chichester, called to action by the more excellent way of love, action. So these, these spiritual gifts that we've talked about over the last three, week, three weeks, remember, I've told you probably a hundred times, they're for the common good. They're not for me. They're not for us. For others. They're for others. Inside the church, outside the church, for common good. So Jesus, through his sacrificial love, he knew about the common good. He knew that he he could have all these gifts. He could have kept them all. He had wisdom. He had knowledge. He had all that. He could talk directly to God. He is God. But he knew how to love. Like 1 Corinthians 13 tells us how to love. He knew how to take up the servant's towel and wash the feet of his disciples, even Judas. He knew how to eagerly desire to share communion with his disciples. Scripture tells us that he was eagerly desiring that, even Judas. He knew how to eagerly desire that. And he knew how to have compassion. He knew how to have empathy and concern when someone was in need. He knew how to do that, and he lived it out sacrificially. He knew the power of touch to a man who was dying with leprosy. He knew the power of his abundance when he fed 5,000 with only a couple of fish and some bread. He knew all of this. He knew it all. He had all this power, and he knew it. The power of God Almighty in him as he was God Almighty, as he is God Almighty. And he knew it was all for the common good. It wasn't just for him. Sacrificial love. It's not natural. In the book of Philippians, it puts it like this. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He endured the shame, made himself nothing, emptied himself of everything, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross for the common good, for you and for me, because love is the more excellent way. Love is the more excellent way. Whoa, what's going on here? in the world sorry about that I don't know what happened where was I for the common good Jesus loved that way even though we make stupid mistakes 
He loves me anyway. He's proud of me. He's proud of you. So before we can love our families and our friends like this, before we can love our towns and cities like this, we first have to experience his love. We have to know his love for ourselves. We need to understand what Jesus did throughout this Passion Week. We need to understand the joy that was set before him. And we need to understand the shame. We need to understand the shame that he despised and endured as he went to the cross. The shame. Have you ever known such love? Have you ever known such love? Such love that would cause a man to lay down his life for someone else. Such love that would cause one to humble himself, emptying emptying himself of everything. Even though he's God Almighty, emptying, emptying himself for everything to become a servant to all. And who is all? All is us. All is us. That's the power of Palm Sunday. That's how we can reconcile Luke 19 with Isaiah 53. We can only reconcile that one way. Supernatural love. Sacrificial love. That's the power of Jesus. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Sacrificial love. Supernatural love. It's the more excellent way. So in order to know how to love sacrificially, we first have to accept God's sacrificial love toward us, right? We have to know it and receive it and know that he loves us and cares for us and delights in us. Even if we do stupid things, he loves us. And he, that sacrificial love covers those things. That sacrificial love, that supernatural love, it covers those things. But we have to receive it. We have to receive his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever, and whoever is us, whoever believes in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. An everlasting life. So I'm going to ask that we bow our heads and close our eyes. And I just want to ask you, I know a lot of you in this room, and I know a lot of you do know and have received God's love, and you've received and and know what Jesus did through his sacrificial love. But if you're here and, and you don't know that love, today would be the day that God wants to show it to you. And as you receive it, as you ask him to pour his love into you, if you, as you ask him to, what we here in church like to say, forgive us of our sins and save us, he'll do just that. And then as, as you go forward from that, he continues to show you his love in amazing ways. In ways like Rich talked about as he talked about the offering and he takes away our worries and our cares and we can lay them on him. We can lay all of our trials and troubles on him because he bore those on the cross. He endured that for us. So for us, it's a matter of receiving his love, believing his love. 
laying those things at the cross and receiving his supernatural sacrificial love. So, Father, Father, I pray for those here who haven't received your love yet, Father. Maybe those who have never heard or maybe those who have never understood. Father, that they would be open to receiving your love, your care, your concern for them, Lord. Father, we ask that you would give them boldness to speak, to find someone to pray with, to to ask and to care about them and, and, and to show them next steps, Lord, that you would step have them step out and, and seek you, Father. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask if our prayer team would come up and as we dismiss in just a couple of minutes, if that's you, if you need to receive God's love, if you've never understood or received God's love before, or maybe you have but you've fallen away and in a new way, a fresh way, you want to understand God's love. Palm Sunday is a great day for that. So I would invite you down and pray with some folks. They'll help you out. They'll give you some next steps. They'll they'll show you a more excellent way, a more excellent way of love. But as we go, before we go, I want to give a benediction to all of us. And it reads like this. It's from 1 Corinthians 12. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It's not... It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. So as you go today, choose the more excellent way choose a way of love because Jesus did that for you. Amen. Amen. We're dismissed. Thank you so much. If you would like prayer, the prayer team is down here. We would love to be able to pray with you. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 